chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you're joining us live, we're glad that you're with us, as Jeremy said earlier, and uh, we hope that uh, you're encouraged this morning. And uh, this uh, COVID situation has kept many out, but we're glad uh, that, that uh, we can get together with technology. That's really good. I think I w- was I on? You guys just now picking me up? So anyway, Second uh, Timothy chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going through a series called Heart Issues, and uh, I'm uh, excited about all the different topics we're going to be touching. Last week when we got together, um, you know, we were dealing with some, some, like Ron said, kind of some serious issues in regard to uh, our heart issues. And uh, this morning it's, uh, you know, last week we dealt with suicide and, and the issues of life and death. And uh, it was kind of a, see, we live in a culture that's kind of fascinated with death and really given over to death. And here at HBF, we're about life. And man, I tell you what, we saw some life this weekend at the men's conference. And it was a great time. And uh, we saw, I had some, some of the best, the messages were great and the fellowship was good. But some of the best part of the, the conference was just the testimony of the ministry leaders. They gave a little, it wasn't even meant to be like, you know, it was meant to be kind of informational. But it became just a, a pouring out of their heart. And I tell you, HBF, you have some good folks uh, here at HBF serving. And, uh, and so we just need to praise God for the body of Christ that he's assembled here. And uh, I, just, I can't say enough about everybody's faithfulness to the Lord and, uh, you know, pitching in and jumping in and, and just serving and going forward. You know, even though sometimes it feels like your, your tires are half flat, you know, you just, everything's discombobulated. And uh, you don't know where everything's at and where everyone's at. But you know what? God still accomplishes, accomplishes his mission and his power. And we focused on, you know, this weekend with the men's conference being ready. Because, you know, we always need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. But we really do need to be ready uh, individually. We need to be ready corporately as a church as we come together. And, uh, and we need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. So uh, one of the things, God put this sermon series on my heart um, uh, called Heart Issues sometime probably early this year or late last year it's been on my heart a while before this whole COVID thing and uh and the topics as well and so today I want to I'm going to start to address the subject of fear and I'm not a topical preacher I'm an expository preacher uh but these are things that are very uh very important to the culture in which we live um and so my goal is that we're all built up we're edified here at HBF uh, we we accomplish the mission of God. We're here to equip the saints of God. I'm sorry to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God, and we do that by the grace of God. For and uh, and I tell you what, we need God's power. We need God's grace. And there's nothing that'll stop, um, you know, God's forward motion like like fear. And I think we've all you know ran into fear. On January 6 of 2016, there's an article uh, written in Time magazine. And it, said, it was called, Why Americans Are More Afraid Than They Used to Be. And uh, some of y'all in here will give, probably give me a hearty amen, right? And, uh, and others of you will be like, what are you talking about? Because there's such a generational shift. There are, the article, I won't read all of it, but I'll just read a portion of it. It says, at no previous time has American security been as, as seriously threatened from without uh, as, that, as it is today. Uh, this is in reference to Theodore Roosevelt. It says, Roosevelt admitted, but he still had hope for the future and would encompass the four essential human freedoms, including freedom from fear, 
And when Pearl Harbor was attacked at the end of that year, news reports from, the, from that time showed that Americans indeed responded with determination uh, more than fear. And so I omitted a part of that. That was from, uh, uh, it was 75 years ago as of J January 6th of 1941 when Franklin Roosevelt stood and delivered his State of the Union address and he made those statements that, you know, you know basically um, there was no greater threat that faced uh, the United States than at that time would have been uh, the threat of World War II. But nearly three quarters of a century later, the article goes on to say, a poll released, and this had been in December of 2016, found that Americans are far more fearful of terrorism than at any other point since September 11th of 2001. And while recent events like the attack in ISIS, which this is no longer recent, um, and Paris and, and, uh, and San Bernardino, California, uh, may make Americans particularly edgy. Experts say that Roosevelt's advice has gone unheeded for some time. My, uh, this gentleman uh, says, my research starts in the 1980s and goes more or less till now, and there have been very high fear levels in the United States continuously, says Barry Glasner, president of Lewis and Clark College and author of The Cultural Fear, Why Americans Are Afraid of All the Wrong Things. Captivating. Uh, I've never read that book, but I'd like to. Later in that article, Barry uh, Glasner goes on, and he's quoted as saying, part of what I find interesting about this is, the over, is that overall Americans live in what is arguably the safest time and place in human history. How many of you feel like this is the safest time and place in human history? Not very many of you. Wow, that's, a, that's telling. It's okay. I know it's not politically correct to say, yeah, I'm good. So I'm okay with that too, guys. Really, I'm not the thought police. So... Uh, Yes, thank you, honey. My wife is, she's tuned in to me. She can see me reaching for my pockets, looking for these little dudes. <laughs> and uh, Thank you, honey. And so, um, and so, you know, it's interesting because I mentioned last week, I grew up in the era. How many of you grew up in the era before the A-bomb? I'm kind of curious. Before the atom bomb. We're going way back. So a few of you, Dorothy and Sharon, and there's probably a few others. And so you remember a world. Well, did it feel safe back then, Dorothy? Pretty safe, Sharon. This depended. Yeah, you know, safety is somewhat relative. It's also relative to what neighborhood you grow up, what kind of you know. I uh, well, I won't get into that. But anyway, so safety's it, it's it is really in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? You know, when I was a little kid, societally, I I we were I was of that era when we'd all. Remember the, how many of you remember the drills, the A-bomb, or then it was not the A-bomb, it was a nuclear bomb, so we advanced, right? Yeah, the, 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 the nuclear bomb. So the day after, I mentioned that last week, that'll put some fear in your heart. You're like, man, when is the whole world going to blow up, you know? And you're driving to the lake with mom and dad. What's that, dad? Oh, that's a, that's a missile silo, son. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, that's cool. How many missile silos? I used to count the missile silos on the way down to the lake. So on, I didn't go to church on Sundays, so... But we did go to the lake, so that was God preparing me to be a pastor, I guess. So uh, he was giving me a, an end times perspective, I guess. But anyway, so, so uh, you know, those are things that they said. There's societal things and there's individual things, you know. Uh, you think about just how we raise our families today. Um, we kind of helicopter around. We can, you know, I can track my son electronically and my daughter. Where are they at? Where's their phone at, right? So who needs big brother, right? We are big brother. And so, uh, and so, uh, by the way, you could be tracked as well. And so, doesn't that make you feel safe? Eh, depends on who you are, doesn't it? Right? Doesn't make me feel too safe. 
And uh, how many remember the days when you could run around and, you know, you, did, you didn't have a cell phone? Yeah. And somehow we survived. <laughs> we survived. And we didn't, we didn't worry about it, right? You, could, you had to learn how to do, use directions. And uh, actually, I, I used to have these things in my, in my, uh, in my uh, car in the uh, dash there. They were called maps. And you would unfold those things and you would look, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, that paper made me feel, feel pretty safe. I travel all over the country with that, you know. I mean, I was just like, I can always take out a map and look at it. And it could have been out of date. It wasn't real time, for sure, right? So you just kind of had to pr- be ready. You know, you might have to have extra cash on hand in case you needed more gas. And, uh, you know, so you had to prepare a lot more, even for your personal safety, because there was no guarantee that you weren't going to get stuck somewhere uh, or you weren't going to get in the wrong place at the wrong time, have to defend yourself in some manner. Uh, and so, so there was just a lot, it was just a different world. There wasn't a lot of safety nets. And so I do think technology has probably given all of us a kind of a false sense of fear and also a false sense of security, hasn't it? Because when you really think about technology, that's pretty weak. I mean, you just hit the electricity and boop, it's gone. So uh, you don't have it. But we do have the Lord. We do have the Lord. And so long before COVID and, and uh, recent social upheaval, the hearts of Americans in our society, has been, according to the statistics, uh, have been growing fearful. And another article written May 8th of 2018, so a couple years after what I just read to you, uh, which I didn't do a very good job of reading it to you, but uh, in, in Time Magazine, same magazine, it says this. A lot of them, this is the title, a lot of Americans are more anxious than they were last year, a new poll says. That's a real creative title, by the way. Uh, and so the article goes on to say, it says almost 40% of Americans are more anxious than they were this time last year, according to the New American Psychiatric Association poll. And approximately... Approximately 40 million adults, roughly 18% of the population, have an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorder, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. I will tell you, as a pastor, I, I, don't, I think those stats are very accurate, if not a little under. And today, probably more people are suffering from anxiety. So anxiety is a word we don't find in Scripture, uh, but we do find the word troubled. 68 times in the Bible. In the New Testament, there are several instances where people are troubled, and that today would be classified as anxiety. Don't raise your hand on this one, but I suspect if I just, I just sense there's probably in this room today, there's probably many people even here that are troubled, and, and perhaps for good reason. It's not a sin to be troubled, by the way. Uh, being anxious, even though we're not to be careful for anything, they're, they're, I'll get into this here in just a minute, uh, there is a, an emotional reason at times to be anxious, be fearful, be concerned. We have all these certain words that kind of minimize things and then other words that maximize it, right? So, you know, we, the alarm bells start going off. But what does the Bible say? Because this is a Bible-believing church, so I really don't care what the psychiatrists say. I really want to know what does the Bible say and where, where am I supposed to land as a Christian? Because today, if you put all of your emphasis on the externals, you're going to be just so messed up. You've got to be focused on what the Word of God says and center yourself on who Christ is so that you can actually be who He needs you to be at a time that is so important to bring the peace of Christ because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace and He lives in us. He's the Comforter. He's the Holy Ghost. When you get saved, God's Spirit indwells you and He brings comfort. He brings peace regardless of the circumstance. 
And so in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So there was a time at the announcement of really good news. We, it, the birth of Christ <laughs> brought trouble to Herod's heart. We have, I saw some babies, by the way. We have a newborn here, praise the Lord. Little Jacob came in this morning, praise the Lord. Pray for, for this young family. Pray for, uh, I just saw the, I saw the, um, the twins today walking around, the Barnes twins. Each, each one has a, a baby twin. That's so sweet to see. Isn't that new life precious? It really is. I mean, who would get scared? Oh, there's a baby in the house. Oh, man, that troubles me. I know. And so we ain't got nothing against babies. I know. I don't get it. And so, uh, and so anyway, King Herod did, though. It troubled his heart when there were babies. I mean, it, this baby in particular. Why? Because this baby was set, off, set to be the king. The wise men came and like, hey, where's the king that was born? And, and he's like, whoa. You're dealing with authority now. I'm getting a little troubled because I'm, having to, I'm supposed to be the dude in authority around here. And not only was he troubled, but all Jerusalem was troubled, it says. So, so that does tell us that it's possible that when leaders get troubled, leaders of homes, leaders of churches, leaders of societies, leaders of towns, leaders of countries, right? When they get troubled, it can cause everyone to get troubled, right? Mom, if you get panicked, you could cause all your kids to get panicked. And uh, it's just, that's how, it's kind of contagious, isn't it? Fear is almost like a contagion. We know a little bit about that. Everybody right now is concerned of our fear is the fear of a contagion. I mean, we get it, all right? Everyone freaks out. You just don't know. Oh, whoa, whoa. The unknown is scary. When you don't know what's going to happen, don't you wish you knew? Well, we do know. <laughs> that's awesome. Ron just saying about it. We do know. So we don't have to worry, right? We can, we got to rest in what word, word of God says. But when the word of God troubles you, then you know there's something quite not there's something that's not quite right between you and the Lord. And uh, and so does the word of God trouble your soul? And if it does trouble your soul, can it be rectified? There's times I read the word of God and it troubles my soul because I'm not right with God. And so the cool thing is is God can make me right, right? So then you can confess it, forsake it, and God will have mercy because He also gives us His word to bring. That comfort. The Holy Ghost teaches us those things so that we can be in a right relationship with Him. Herod wasn't in a right relationship with God, and starting in his heart, nor was the city of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, that's why Jesus came, is to reconcile the world to Himself. So in Matthew 14, 26, you'll also find it says, And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, uh, is, it, is it a spirit? And they cried out of fear. The disciples were following Jesus, you know, uh, but when they saw something they didn't understand, it troubled them. Sometimes not knowing something, right, will trouble you. Before, if you're gonna, if you get a diagnosis, a prognosis. One time, my mom was diagnosed with with uh, ovarian cancer, and uh, and the doctor was like, "Absolutely, get to the oncologist now." And our whole family, you know, we're like, we're we're operating on that mode. We're like, "Oh man, I'm all like, whoa, this is heavy. I'm gonna just lost my dad, now I'm gonna lose my mom." And, we get to the oncologist, and she opens up the, she looks at all the x-rays or the scans or whatever it was, CT scan, PET scan, whatever it was, and uh, she looks at it and says, yeah, you don't have cancer. That's a bad diagnosis. We were like, oh. But man, we were like the disciples. We were in fear. <laughs> we were like fearing what we thought we knew, but it really wasn't true. In Mark 6.50, it says, they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said, and said unto them, be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Right? So, so he's, 
obviously in this passage, Jesus is likening the trouble they fear they had with fear. He says, "Don't be afraid, because I'm here." You know, knowing that you have Jesus Christ relationally within your, I mean, he a security of the relationship that you have with God is so important. Knowing that He is your Lord and Savior, and it erases all the fear, a lot of the anxiety, and and so today that's perceived oftentimes by the world. What is it perceived as when you are resting and when you're in peace with God? Oftentimes today it's, 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 it can be perceived as uncaring. Remember when, the, when Jesus was sleeping in the boat and the seas, right? Well, the disciples even were like, hey, Jesus, don't you care? <laughs> He's like, hey, peace be still, boom, it's done. And so sometimes he tests our faith, doesn't he? Luke 11, I'll get into that next week. And, and or next time I get into this subject. But in Luke chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says, When Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Sometimes interacting with God, oftentimes interacting with God, when you understand who he is, it brings fear to your heart. Why, why is that? Because we're not holy in our flesh. We're made holy because of Jesus. But we understand intuitively, whether we actually intellectually get it or not, that we are, that God's holy and we're not. That'll cause your heart to tremble if you really understand it. Uh, and that's even a gift, uh, really grasping the fact that God is truly holy and just and true and pure, and we're not. That's how you get saved. You have to come to that point where you understand you're a sinner so that you can understand the provision that God has brought so that you, he'll, he'll relieve the fear and anxiety of his just wrath and punishment when you come to understand the terms by which he offers to have peace with God, and that's through Jesus Christ. So he is holy, he is just, he is pure, but he's also loving and he's kind and he's gracious. And so time is an opportunity for us to make a decision to, to either receive his gift or reject it. And that's really the first place you're going to find peace is in a, a knowledge and a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I would hazard to guess either some watching or even some here this morning, um, even if you go to church and stuff, you've never really fully come to that point in time. That's a very personal thing. You, you don't get that by doing good works. It's, you don't earn that. It's not about earning favor with God. It's actually about receiving the grace that God has given us through Jesus Christ and his son. So even, even Jesus in his, uh, well, Jesus prophesied, let me back up. Jesus prophesied of a time in the coming tribulation period that Israel will be troubled by the news of wars and rumors of wars in Matthew chapter 24, which is dealing with the coming tribulation period. But you're like, well, Brian, that's going on now. Yes, it is, isn't it? And so Matthew 24, 6 says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Okay, now who was he telling not to be troubled? Because in the tribulation, in the coming tribulation period, there's a lot of people that ought to be troubled. All kinds of people should be troubled. But he's talking to his disciples uh, he's talking in, you know, prophetically to those uh, believing Jews and Gentiles in the tribulation. Um, and he's saying, don't be troubled. Why? Well, because um, it's not over yet, and I'm coming back. Now, there's a lot in that. I'm not going to unpack all that. That's not the point this, this morning. But the point is, that for devotional aspect here, um, I, wanna, I want you to understand that even in the midst of trouble, real trouble, like is Matthew 24 is talking about real trouble, a time when people ought to be afraid for real. Jesus is like, wait a minute, um, I got this, if you're riding with me. 
right? Are you riding with me? Or are you not? And so even Jesus in his incarnation was troubled. Isn't that crazy? But it's true. Uh, he was troubled as he was tempted as a human. So it comes with being human. We have trouble in our heart at times. In John chapter 12, I told you to turn those other verses. You can follow along. I've got them on the screen, I think. So John chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Here's the God of the universe, God manifests in the flesh. Uh, he's saying, Now is my soul troubled. Notice what he does. He prays to the Father. He says, Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. You can see the conflict. Father, <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm, in a, I'm in a point of, of, of conflict. Doesn't conflict cause trouble in our heart? I know that it does in my heart. Nobody likes it. No one, I don't like conflict. Some of you do like conflict. Some people out there like conflict. I used to work with people who thrived on conflict because that's how they tried to control people. But, you know, praise the Lord. Um, but I don't, I don't want that, you know. But don't mistake meekness for weakness. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jesus don't want conflict either. But God brought him to a point. He is God. He brings himself to a point in, in history where he says, hey, I'm all holy and I don't want to be defiled by sin, but I'm also here to do this thing. I'm here to die. I came to die. And so not my will, for the first time in his life, he has to say, I'm, not, I'm going to make a decision to obey. Because everything in his being is to not suffer for sin because he's holy. And yet, the love of the Father compels her as a, a, a sacrifice that would be acceptable to redeem the sin of Adam and his fallen race. Wow, what a, what a dilemma that Jesus was in. Right? I came to die, but I don't want to die. Because I'm all God and I'm all man, and this is just a weird place to be. So he learned obedience, the Bible says, in Hebrews, through the things that he suffered. Suffering will bring some trouble to the heart. None of us like to suffer. There's a lot of people suffering from cancer. you got people suffering from cancer. Yeah. Granny and, and Jim and Randy. And um, then, I, oh, by the way, Gail Newland. I just found out this Thursday, or Friday, Thursday. She's got cancer, so be praying for Gail and Rodney. They usually sit about right there for behind Catherine, right around where you guys are back there. So Gail and Rodney, so be praying for them. So people are suffering. There's always things that are going on that cause us to suffer. Jesus was suffering, but he prayed, and he said, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And the people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. And others said the angels... Uh, spake unto him it got a response from god god responded when jesus prayed you know what when you pray he's going to respond if you pray according to his will so notice that jesus took his troubles to the father in prayer and found assurance in the godhead so we also need to notice that even after jesus ascended and sent his holy ghost in acts chapter 2 who we know from john chapter 17 or john 14 is the comforter right the comforter is the holy ghost um you know what uh there are still folks that are troubled uh, in the church. We're not talking about outside the church. Christians get troubled. Uh, in Acts chapter 15 and verse 24, the Bible says, For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Paul said there's people out there uh, 
speaking the word of God or, or pretending to that are troubling your souls, church. Oh, beloved, we, that's on steroids today. There's a lot of people speaking a lot of things in the name of God that trouble your soul. So Paul records uh, the, the, the rigors of ministry can be troubling as well. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8, he says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. So God gave his word that we be not troubled. Right? He gave us his word so we wouldn't be troubled. In 2 Thessalonians 2, in verse 2, the Bible says, That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. Thinking about not knowing when the coming of the Lord is, that'll trouble your heart. That'll trouble you. So Paul says, hey, I, don't, don't be troubled. Let me write to you about how this is going to go down so that we know. Because we're not ignorant of, of what's coming. 2 Thessalonians 1, seven, And you, and you uh, who are troubled, rest with us. Paul's encouraging them, the Thessalonians. They were in deep affliction and real persecution, like our brothers around the world. When the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, your comfort may not come today, but it will come. When Jesus Christ returns and his just wrath is executed, he sets all of the... People want social justice. I hate to tell folks there will not be social justice until Jesus returns. And so you've got to work within the constraints of what you have today because it is the best system that has ever been here. Uh, and it is not perfect. And as a matter of fact, it's going to be done away with here shortly. And so in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 14... The Bible says, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. You ever get in trouble for doing something right? <laughs> yeah, or accused of something you didn't do? Oh, man, I've been there. I can give you a couple of stories. When I was a, a kid, especially, I had a couple of situations that were pinned on me. I was the goat. And, you know, when you're a kid, it's kind of like the jury's out, man. You don't have a lot of defense. It is what it is. And so this is what people think. That's what they're going to think. You can't do anything. Isn't that a terrible feeling? It's troubling. You know, you think, man, they're looking dimly on me. They think I'm a bad kid, and I didn't even do it. I hate that feeling. I know how that feels. Some of you know how that feels. Anxiety is often associated with fear in the Scripture, and Jesus is the, the cure for our anxiety and fear. In Mark 6.50, the Bible says, For they, are, they, they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer. It's I, be not afraid. You say, that sounds familiar. It is, because I just read it a few minutes ago. Sometimes we need that assurance, don't we? You need an assuring word. You need to hear it again. Man, it's I, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now God's saying something here in John 14. He's saying, hey, listen, I, I leave my peace with you. Don't let, you can let your heart be troubled. It's a decision that we get to make. Oh, wait a minute. You mean I'm not a victim? No, you're not. If you're a born-again Christian, you're really not a victim. I mean, there's really no excuse for us. It doesn't mean we don't struggle with fear. It doesn't mean that we don't have issues with anxiety. But I tell you what, we actually do have a solution here. And it is the Word of God. So God gave His Spirit that we be not troubled. Let it not, let it, uh, neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, let it, or let it be afraid. So there's an issue of the heart, not the physical heart, but the spiritual heart. And we have to deal with our heart issues. Oh, that'd be a good sermon series. Oh, it is. Okay, so, so that's what we got to do. We got to deal with our heart issues. So God gave his word to ease the trouble of fear. In Philippians 4, 6, 
The Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, and many of you know this verse, by prayer and supplication, that prayer is so important, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What are you thankful for today? Is there one thing that you're thankful for? Are you so consumed with fear, so consumed with anxiety that you can't even come up with thanksgiving? You know what? There's times in people's lives that they really get like that. They feel like there's no hope. Getting back to last week's message. And I tell you, the shadow of death creeps over them. And they feel like God doesn't care. Nobody else cares. And they become despondent. And they don't even realize oftentimes that it's really because they're focused on self instead of focused on Christ. Because in Christ, man, it's all yay. God loves us. He has, he has a plan for us. He has his word for us. But you know what? We've got to get to praying. And we've got to get to listening to the answer. You can pray all day to God. Again, this, this is a relationship. It's not like we're doing penance. What we're doing is talking to God, and then God talks with us right here. He, he talks back. He'll give you an answer, right? That's why Jesus prayed the Father, because he wanted a word of assurance that I'm doing what I'm here to do as a human, as a God. He already knew he was there to do what he was going to do. But at any rate, he needed that as a human to know, okay, man, I'm in a conflict here, but I'm here to show the world what obedience looks like. It looks like love. It looks like sacrifice. It looks like dying to self so that others can benefit. Because so often what happens is fear will take us into a self-preservation mode. Right? And then the next thing you know, it's all about you, and, and then other people around you get to suffer. Now, there's more to it than just you. This isn't psychology hour at HBF. There's a real spiritual warfare going on. That's why I'm addressing this subject. I mean, I mean really, right now, there is a spiritual warf- warfare going on. And not only does it affect individuals, but it even affects groups of people. And people, because people are responding in fear, in terror. They're freaking out, as we like to say. Why in the church would we freak out? Because sometimes even in the church we get fearful. So we got to be careful with that. And so, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We really need the peace of God to keep our hearts and minds. So, some of us are like Martha, and we're troubled about many things. Remember Martha and Mary? And and, uh, And some of the things that we may be troubled about really make very little difference in eternity. I mean, they really don't matter. And yet, we'll get caught up in stuff that just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. (laughs) I know what you're thinking, Jim. (laughs) I want to start chanting it too. All right. (laughs) It's an inside joke. How many of you know what I'm referring to? Just a handful. Yeah. Again, it shows my age. And for those of you that don't know, it's our little secret in the 80s generation. So this morning, I, I want to speak on conquering fear. Uh, but before I do that, let's do this. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this first point that I'm about to get into and this kind of introductory to the subject of trouble and fear of heart that comes because we are made of skin, uh, because you've redeemed our soul, you've set us apart, you have called us your sons, Lord, you have given us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Lord, you've told us uh, that we have your peace. We have all that knowledge, but Lord, at times the reality of the world in which we live, there's a conflict, just as Jesus as a human was conflicted at times, and it brought trouble. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are not given to fear. As a matter of fact, 
The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, you have not given us that spirit. So, Father, I pray today as we start this subject on fear that you would just help me uh, be clear and also to bring, Lord, the peace that does pass understanding. Lord, that, that our hearts and our minds would be set aside for, for your occupation, Lord, that for your purposes, and that we would allow you to bring that peace. And we would let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. As you face the cross, Lord, you conquered. May we follow that pattern of prayer. May we follow that pattern of faith. Uh, Lord, we thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in the time I have remaining, which is short, that's okay, I plan for it. Uh, in the time we have remaining, I want to focus on three or two things that, that conquer fear in our hearts. And, uh, and though many of us know 2 Timothy 1.7, I told you to turn there. Uh, let's just look at it once again. So 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, For God ha- hath not given us the spirit of what? Fear but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, if you've been around Heartland, you've heard me quote that probably like a mantra. I say that all the time. Why in the world do you think Brian Hedges would say that all the time? Because I need the reminder. Thank you. Yeah, because I'm really just a fearful chicken up here. You know, I'm just like, there's times, man. It's just like, I need some help, Jesus. And God says, and so what do I do? I remind myself, God hasn't given me the spirit of fear. But that power and of love and a sound mind. Now, I'm not going to unpack all that today. Uh, you'll have to come back to the second part of this. But there's a lot in that passage. The Godhead is actually laid out for us in, the, in, that, in, that, in that verse. The power, the love, and the sound mind. And so everything we need is there. But when you just say, yep, I don't have the spirit of fear, and then you go out and you face fear, and then you wonder, what did I do wrong? And that's what I want to help you with this morning. By just simply doing the first thing. Uh, before we get too far. And that's just define fear biblically. Make sure you got a, a proper biblical definition. When we come back on this second message, I'm going to talk about facing fear faithfully. Right? So there's two aspects of this. There's, there's defining fear biblically, which is the first part. You've got to have a right understanding of what fear is all about. And then the second thing is you've got to face fear faithfully. Because fear, I'll just give you the, the next message coming, fear is really about testing your faith. God puts you in positions at times, just like he did with himself, where you have to go on with God's word over how you feel. Right? And we live in a world of feelings right now. Emotions are cray-cray. We need to be careful with our emotions and, and make sure that our faith is driving, is driving uh, and our facts and the word of God are driving our faith, which will help our feelings. You get all that out of whack, man, and you got problems. you got problems in the home. you got problems in the church. you got problems in the society. Because there needs to be truth, and truth comes from the Word of God. All right, so let's look at a biblical definition. Because if we're going to conquer fear, it's going to come by defining fear biblically. So this is a, power, a powerful passage that we just read, and, and, so, and it really points to our solution. But let's start with this, this, uh, this scripture here, because conquering fear by defining uh, fear biblically is so important. The first mention of the word fear in the Bible it, is associated with blessing and divine delegated authority. It's associated with blessing and divine delegated authority. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1, uh, Noah gets off the ark, right? It's a new beginning. Um, and so nine, like nine months, baby comes. There's a new beginning. It's a new birth, so to speak, uh, for humanity, for Adam's race. And so God blessed Noah, it says in, in, in Genesis 9-1, and his sons... And said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. He gives them the same mission as he gave Adam and Eve. And he goes on to say, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air 
and upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. That's really important. That you understand that in the economy of fear, humans are right below God. I know. It's surprising. Uh, and so, and so you, God gets them off the ark and he says, Hey, every, th- every creature on this planet is going to fear you. Why? Because I put you in dominion. Even though you're messed up, folks. You are in dominion and everything's going to fear you. Because that's where you are. You are in authority. And the establishment of human government, which occurs at this point, he goes on to talk about how to execute judgment and justice. I'm not going to get into all that. But the death penalty is instituted in Genesis 9, which was not there prior. That's why Cain didn't get executed physically. The establishment of human government in Genesis 9 is then delegated. And so there's delegated authority. And that helps, up, helps us clear up any confusion about other passage in, passages in the Scripture related to fear. And for all those naysayers out there who say, Ah, oh, the Bible contradicts itself. Well, that's because you don't want to believe it to start with. Give the Bible the benefit of the doubt. Let it define itself. It'll straighten you out. All right, Romans 13, verse 7, a very familiar section of Scripture many of us understand. It's important to know today that God has given us the powers to be. Whether you like them or not, uh, they're there. God's allowed it. And he says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Some dudes you got to fear, some dudes you can honor and fear, right? But it's all about the delegated authority. It helps us understand that he limits authority in regard to civil government. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 17, the Bible says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. But wait a minute, he hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So why would we fear God? Because he's the king of kings. He's the ultimate authority. You're under his authority. So we, even lost men are under his authority doesn't matter if the sheriff is lost or saved. I don't know the sheriff in Cass County. I don't know if he's saved or lost. If you do, praise the Lord. doesn't matter. I still have to honor and submit to it. So we see from the first mention that fear in and of itself is honorable. And this is why I brought this up. And, and, it, and it is due in authority. So when you're dealing with authority, delegated authority, fear is appropriate and it's honorable. And, and there's a reason I bring that up, because a lot of people do not honor authority in our culture. Today, we live in Laodicea, which means rights of the people. It's a time when everybody does that which is right in their own eyes, and the, even the police force is at risk because people want to take justice into their own hands. That's called rebellion, and God will judge that. So be careful. Uh, we see first mention that that in the first mention that fear in and of itself is honorable and do and it's due authority, and so this also applies to that king to the king's decree. So let's keep with me, hang with me, don't get caught up in what I just said about civil unrest and all that today, because that's that's not the big picture. The king's decree, like when the king says it, you know what it means? He means it. He's not a suggesting anything. You honor the word of the king, and so. And so the, the reality is, is that, is that when God speaks from his word, this word uh, is authoritative. Now, you happen to be in a church, which is, we're getting fewer. We're not the only. There's still a lot of us out here. But there's, you're in a church that still believes this is actually an authoritative word from God. Because the king of the universe has brought it to us. He's preserved his word so we can actually have a word. 
And we have one. So it's authoritative. It is, it, it's the word of the king. Just like if you travel to Bhutan, which is a kingdom with a real king, whatever the king says is how it goes. It's not, it's not uh, they're not playing. So if the king says you're going to prison, guess what? You're going to prison. It's authoritative. The word stands because he's the authority. And we're a long way from that because of our roots. And, of course, we're in a country where we're like threw off King George because we didn't believe King George was honoring who? God. That is the premise of the Declaration of the Independence. It is not that we want to be free alone. It's that we can no longer submit to such horrible authority. So because you're abusing your authority, we're going to roll the dice, put ourselves in God's grace, and trust that he can form a better government than what this guy's doing because he's killing us here. You're dishonorable, king, and we're willing to die to prove it. And that's exactly what happened. And God blessed us, and then we, we've been judged plenty, and we'll probably be judged more as we kill babies and everything else. Speaking of that, stand, the Stand for Life is this month. Make sure you support that. We're talking about babies and stuff. Praise the Lord. Um, there's a lot of room for judgment upon us as a nation. And because we don't honor the king, I don't mean we don't have a king, praise God, don't want one. But we should honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, and that, praise God, isn't enforced by the government. The way the government set it up, that's a choice that the peoples of the country have to make on their own. And if it's not getting done, it's probably because the church isn't salty enough. Because are we actually doing what we need to be doing to have an effect on the culture? Are we salt and light? We really don't have a lot of room to wring our hands and say, look at the world going to pot all around us. Well, let's do something about it, because we can. We can. All right. So therefore, and I mention all this to say this. So when you're listening to your Christian radio, and I, I have nothing against this dude. I'm going to mention him by name. But I, I want to bring this up, because this, I was, this, this is a real deal in my life. Zach Williams writes this song, Fear is a Liar. How many of you heard that song? Okay, quite a few of you. So Fear is a Liar. Fear is a Liar. That guy, I love the song. He's got a good, good tune. He's got a lot of good songs. All right. Like his testimony, praise God. He's got a great testimony. I think he's a brother, so it's not nothing against him. But just, but his theology's off. And so I'm listening to this song. I'm up here on two highway one day in my car and listening to this song. I'm like, man, I like this song, but it's just not settling in my heart. What is wrong with this song? Fear's a liar. So I get out my Bible and I start looking up fear and liar. And guess what I find out? Those Zach's intentions, I'm sure, I'm sure, are great. Uh, theologically, it's not accurate. Because fear is a liar, isn't in the Bible. Not at all. Fear as an emotion is in the Bible. And it's also in the common understanding of what fear is. It's an emotional response. So fear is a real thing, no doubt about it. And you can have feeling, you can have fear based on false facts that mislead you. But fear in itself is not a liar. Fear is an emotion. And it can also be a good emotion. It can be a bad emotion. It's just an emotion. But fear is not a liar. When we do a word study on this, that what we find out is a liar is not how we feel. It's a person. And you might know who that would be. It's Satan. So if you want to know who a liar is, it's Satan. Satan is a liar. And he can produce feelings that are false. He can produce good feelings if you listen. But the reality is fear in itself is not the problem, right? So you've heard that. The only thing to fear is fear in itself. Well, that's actually not even biblical either. Well, if you want to fear a lie, fear Satan. 
Fear of false words. Fear, fear deviating from the word of the king. That's something to be fearful, legitimately fearful about. That would be a good emotion to have. Is a, is, a, is a terrifying reaction to the fact that we might drift away from our anchor. Being like tethered in outer space through a cord and all of a sudden somebody cuts it. Man, that would be something to be fearful of, man. Don't go away from the word of God. That's something to be fearful of. That's not a bad emotion. That's a good one. Fear is not a liar, but Satan is. And so when you do a word study on it, it kind of helps you straighten that up. And, you know, like, okay, Satan's a liar. And he uses fear to manipulate, to bully, right? Like that kid on the playground when you're in school, right? Like the, you know, the, the person that's in authority that uh, can't handle it and abuses authority. Like, uh, you know, like some mob boss, you know, that just uses fear and intimidation to get his way, pervert justice and judgment. Yeah, that kind of, that's fear. And it's based in lies, for sure. But fear in itself is not a liar. Satan's a liar. So we are commanded to resist Satan because he is not honorable, nor is his roaring legitimate. So in 1 Peter 5, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now this is an important point, because God is pointing out you have a real foe. He's an adversary. His name is the devil. It is Satan. And, and you know what? You need to be careful because... He will roar at you. He will strike fear in your heart. And fear can definitely stop you from going forward in faith. Whom resist steadfast. We're commanded to resist steadfast in the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Your first response is, I'm alone. I'm the only one. No, you're not. A lot of us are suffering from the roars of the lion. But the reality is it behooves us to be focused in faith and go forward and and face the fear, which is my next part of the message, which I'm not going to get to today. So biblical authority protects us if it's operating in submission to God's will. Rebellious authority will be judged by God in society, in the home, in the church, so our hearts can be at ease if we're in a humble submission to Christ. So you can rest easy. Ah, I don't have to fear. Because I'm tethered to Christ. I'm more than tethered. I'm secure in Christ. Now the second mention of fear that you find in the Bible is in Genesis 5.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram and in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Fearing God is, a health, is healthy because he is the ultimate authority. And we often need his assurance and he offers it to us to let us know his good hand is upon us. And we're, in, good, we're in, a, in the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of you know the good hand of the Lord's upon you? Man, I hope you do. I get troubled when I don't sense that the good hand of the Lord is upon me. Yeah, I mean, as your pastor, I'm not talking about when I was lost. I'm talking, I'm in real, in, in real time, right? There's times when I'm like, man, Lord, are you with me on this? i got to have that sense of assurance. It's not, am I saved? I know I'm going to heaven. It's not, does God love me? I know God loves me. But I want to know I got his blessing. I hope you're like that. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. And whom shall I be afraid? When you fear the Lord, man, you don't have to be afraid of anything. He's got you. Last mention in the Old Testament, Malachi 4.2. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. 
So honoring Christ's authority and fearing his name over the name of, of uh, comp- competing authorities, including our own self-will, is a healthy fear. And we should, be, uh, we should recognize healthy fear. Because just saying fear in itself is, is wrong. Well, that's just not true. Even though 1 Timothy tells us, or 2 Timothy 1 does say, we haven't been given the spirit of fear, right? And that's true. We have the spirit of God in us. Just saying fear in itself is wrong really isn't true. If you're not at peace, you need to find out why you're not at peace and find out what God is saying to you about that and pray. He could be using that to help you. You could be getting ready to step on a time bomb and you're not at peace about it. You're like, you know, I just don't feel good about that. My feelings aren't right. What does the faith say? What should I do? What's my next step? Stop. Lord, what do you want me to do here? And check in. I just counseled someone today. Check in with the Lord. Check in with your pastor. Check in with the authorities in your life. If they're all green light, then go. And don't worry about your feelings. But you know what? If you still have a bad feel and you think the Lord says no, then don't do it. Trust, trust what God's doing in your life. Trust your relationship with God. Fear and honor are delegated authority, biblical authority, family authority, church authority. Oh, it's a terrible word, authority. And so fear of danger that would harm, not really, uh, but I mean today in our culture it is, fear of danger that would harm us physically or spiritually, deviating from God's will is a legitimate concern that is balanced by knowledge of God's character and, and his matchless grace. So if you don't know God's character uh, or you have failed in faith in believing what God says about his character, you're setting yourself up for a legitimate reason for fear. And so practical application, because I'm talking about a lot of concepts, wittingly breaking the law is a reason for fear. Willingly going against God's will, that's a good reason to fear, whether it's salvation or whether it's sanctification. It doesn't really matter. When we wittingly turn on God, the creator, man, that's a bad place to be. And you should be scared because that's not a safe place. You're opening yourself up for attack. But understanding, conversely, we don't fear God's wrath and judgment as any chastisement is momentary. And, and God wants to lovingly restore fellowship. And he wants us because we are his sons. We are his children. So not understanding God's grace and mercy will leave a child of God very confused. And the subject of fear and anxiety will keep him, well, in fear and anxiety. It will keep him uncertain. So healthy, a healthy, a healthy fear... Uh, and understanding that obedience brings blessing is a good thing because fear is, 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 uh, is diminishing to God's glory. When we come before God, let me restate that. Uh, healthy fear understands that un- obedience brings blessing and because we fear diminishing God's glory. There's a, there's a healthy fear in us saying, you know what, Lord, I don't want ro- to rob you of your glory. I don't want to diminish your glory. It's not an unhealthy fear that God's just going to come and whack you. Of course not. No. We want, we, want to, we, want to, we want to honor God. So God gives us a brain and a Bible to discern legitimate and illegitimate fear. So here's an illustration. As I was a child, I, I grew up, and I was afraid of these two unrealistic things. They were not reasonable. They were unreasonable things. One was butterflies, and the other one were dragonflies. Anybody afraid of a butterfly? I'm probably like the only person in the world. I mean, I can remember the terror of those things. They just sweep down on you. I was a little kid, you know, so they seem bigger. They just swoop down on you, and they're like ugly looking. I mean, to me they were, because I didn't look at their wings. I looked at their little body creature. They're just like, oh, my gosh, what is that thing? And I just freaked out with butterflies when I saw butterflies. I'd be like, 
fear would just strike my heart. I'd run. I'm like, oh, no, there's a... And then I remember being out with my grandpa, and I was really little, and, uh, and uh, we're fishing down in Odessa at his pond, and here come these dragonflies. And I mean, I'm like, get me out of here, you know? Those things look scary. They look like something in Revelation 9. Oh, I haven't even learned Revelation 9. And so, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, get me out of it. You know, my, in both cases, I could, you know how I learned not to be fearful? Is the people around me, my parents and my grandfather, they're like, oh, don't worry about that. It's not going to bother you. I had to trust their word over my unreasonable fear. I had to trust someone else's assurance. Because if I didn't have them there to assure me, I can't talk of, well, I got other examples. But anyway, I won't get into those. But there's times in our life where there's this unreasonable fear. You know, and it's just not reasonable. And, and you know what? The Bible is here to help straighten us out. God is here to help straighten us out. There's other times, if you walk up on a, sta- a snake, it's reasonable. I can also remember when I was a little kid. I didn't need anyone to teach me this. I'm down in Columbia, down in Columbia, Missouri at this campground, because, again, that's where we went to church. And, uh, and so it's on, I think it was a Sunday morning probably, and I'm walking by this pool, and they had all those rocks and everything by it, you know, in the chain link fence, and I'm on the outside of it. And this, of course, I'm a little tykester. I'm like, I mean, I'm this tall probably. And this cottonmouth, it looks like a cobra to me. I mean, it's up and rearing. It's ready to strike, fangs and all. I'm like, and I, because I just walked right up to it without, because I'm a kid and I don't know what I'm doing. And I, well, as soon as I saw it, I'm telling you, I didn't need a lesson. I didn't need a parent to tell me. I didn't need nothing. It's like, that's dangerous. And I literally, I probably ran, it felt like a mile. It was probably a quarter mile or an eighth of a mile or who knows, a couple of feet. I don't when you're little. But I ran with everything I had, I mean, to the campsite. I didn't stop. I thought that thing was about to bite me the whole way. And I'm not embellishing that thing being, I've actually never seen a snake like that. I mean, <laughs> ready to strike. You know, I was like, holy moly. Had to be a cottonmouth. I remember the whole thing. It was crazy. I'm scared of that thing. You know, that's a reasonable fear. You know what? There are some things you should honor authority you should be respectful the devil we need to resist him but respect his power right he is the prince of this world and he doesn't like us because well we're the children of the king the last mention in the new testament of fear is revelation 19 5 it says and the voice came out of the throne saying praise our god all ye his servants and all ye that fear him both small and great so fear fear belongs to servants and, and love belongs to sons don't miss that in Revelation 19, the last mention, fear belongs to his servants. You say, but what about the love of God, Brian? Isn't that what the New Testament's about? Yes, it is. It is. Fear belongs to his servants and love belongs to his sons. So while we, while we minister on this earth, we should ex- exercise a healthy honor and fear of God as servants. Though the Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 1 through 3, and confirms our birthright as sons. In Galatians 4, the Bible says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of of the father. You see, while you got this skin on and while you're here on the earth, you know why you're here on the earth if you're saved? Newsflash, you're here to serve the Lord. We're begging people every week, help us serve the Lord. We need help. We were just at the men's conference praying. God, Lord of the harvest, bring forth labors. There's so much to do for Christ's sake. We need people, willing-hearted people that give cheerfully, not people that are doing it by constraint. 
But we need willing-hearted folks that want to serve the Lord because when we get saved, as long as we've got skin on, that's our job here on this planet until we get taken up and get our glorified bodies. Then we rule and reign. Right now we serve. And while we serve, we honor God and we fear God. It is a New Testament principle. I'm not making it up because Ephesians 5 tells us this. Speaking to yourselves. When we gather together on Sunday, this is what we do. Speak to yourselves in psalms. We did that. In hymns, we did that. In spiritual songs, we've done it. Seeking and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another. Why do we submit ourselves one to another? We do it in the fear of God. We fear God. In the New Testament, right in the book of Ephesians, can you believe that? It came up. Paul, well, Paul was off. No, he wasn't off. He's right on the money. Many of the reasons people cite for not wanting to assemble are just really excuses for running from God and fearing facing sin and judging ourselves as we ought. The, ju- the child of God learns that godly fear and honor of Christ's word is well worth the peaceable joy and relieves the fear and anxiety that comes. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, the Bible says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, that's the theme of the year, Right, wholeness and holiness in the fear of God. It's okay to fear God because we're serving God. We need to make sure we keep his commandments. Philippians 2, 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, Well, it doesn't really mean fear. It means fear. It says fear. It means fear. Fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. We should be concerned about not doing what God has saved us to do. It should bother us if God is not getting everything out of his purchased possession. It should trouble us if we are not actually glorifying God with our lives. If we're not giving God the the best that we have and not giving him our leftovers. That should trouble our hearts. But when we serve ourselves and we say it's rights of the people. I need what I want. You don't need what you want or you'd be in hell. What we need is what God wants for us. It's so clear. But you know what? You can't even preach on fear without being misunderstood in the culture in which we live. So let's focus on how the Bible applies it. I'm a little fired up. can't tell. I'm trying to be calm. Preach the word without fear. That's what the Bible says. There's some things you do need to do without fear. Preach the word is one of them. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with, with joy. I gave the wrong passage there. But it, it, it should say, preach the word without fear. I don't know where my reference is. I'm sorry, I lost that. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Which we covered that. Fear the influence of sin, as I've already mentioned. 2 Corinthians twelve twenty says, For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you uh, uh, such as I would, that I, sh- that I shall be found of you such as you would not. Lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strives, backbiting, whisperings, swe- uh, swellings, and tumults. So this is something to be fearful of. All the churches out there, this one included, is when the Lord comes back, finding discord in the body of Christ. That's something we should be fe- That's what Paul said. I fear lest when I come, I shall find you such as I would, and that I should uh, be found of you such as you would not. Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths. He's saying, basically, guys, I'm, I, when I, I fear that when I come, you're not going to be squared away. Now, how many want to, to come back to the, 
see the Lord come back for the church. Now, I'm a pastor, so this is really personal to me. I don't want to see the Lord come back to this church. I'm talking about Heartland. Catch us away, and there's a bunch of people squabbling and fighting. And really, I'm so glad right now, to my knowledge, there is no squabbling or fighting in our church. So we're kind of at a peaceful place. Hallelujah. But, uh, but man, I don't want that to change. That's what Paul said. I fear that when I come, things aren't going to be in order. Well, I'll tell you what, when Jesus Christ comes, it better be in order, beloved. That's something we should all fear. We should fear that. That should be a, a problem. Like, so when something's not right and the Lord's Supper's coming up at the end of the month, get it right. Because Jesus is counting on it. Fear Satan's influence on the church and the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians eleven three, the Bible says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted for the simplicity that's in Christ. There's some things that Paul feared. He says, you know what? I don't want anyone to be beguiled from the simplicity that is in Christ. So that's the biblical, that's all I got on definitions. Next time we get together, which will be September 6th on this particular message, so you'll have to, you can meditate on that. We're going to be talking about how we, fa- how we face fear faithfully. Because there's a lot more to say. I, really, this is almost like an introduction. There's a whole lot more I want to say about this subject next time we get together. Um, but fear is often contrasted with faith in Scripture. And, and as we come back to this message on September 6th, we'll finish up with uh, many examples of how uh, faith conquers fear. Amen? And faith needs to conquer fear. So this morning as we conclude, maybe you've been lied to. Maybe you've been lied about. Maybe the adversary has you fearing the wrong things this morning. Maybe you are like Martha and you're troubled with many things and missing the blessings of fellowship in Christ. So maybe, maybe, maybe this morning you have a legitimate fear of hell. That's a good, if you're afraid of that, settle it. Maybe, maybe you don't have the assurance of the king's word on your salvation. You need that. You need to know what the word of God says about your situation. And you need to come away with peace that passes understanding. Because God wants to give us peace. He really does. He's a peacemaker. We're ambassadors. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm not here to bring war. I'm here to bring peace. I'm here to reconcile people to God. God's given me a word of reconciliation. He's given me a word from the king that lets you know you can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Not only to the sinner, but even to the saint. Man, I tell you what, beloved, if we need reconciliation with God, we need reconciliation with one another, if there's some sort of strife and division in your family, if Satan is getting an advantage in your heart, in your family, in your ministry, in your life, in your job, whatever it is, man, go back to the word. Go back to prayer. Because God is the king, and he's got the word, and he will put the, he'll put the devil to flight if you just resist the devil. Fear God more than anything else. Put him first. Make him the priority. Man, and the love of God will flood your heart. I promise you. But you've got to do that by faith. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this morning for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity just to meditate upon this.